Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of James. I know the screen says James 5, and we're going to be there, but we're going to start in James chapter 1. We're going to uh, walk through a little bit of the book of James. and uh, But before we do that, is that video able to play? It is. Okay. Uh, then before we do, there's a, this is an illustration from the Special Olympics. I don't think we can play the sound, but you don't need the sound, okay? Just watch this short video. Special Olympics, they're lining up for the race. And they take off, and they're all running hard. This is a reenactment of an actual event. In the actual event, the fall wasn't quite as dramatic. But look what happens when one falls down. See, that's an image of what the church is supposed to be like. Sometimes in the church, people harass each other and they attack each other. And when one has a weakness, people make fun of the one with the weakness. And we act like Pharisees instead of like the body of Jesus Christ. In fact, somebody said the church is the only army that bayonets its own wounded. We're supposed to love people and care for people and help people and lift them up when they fall. And so that was a beautiful illustration of what the heart of a believer should be like. Unfortunately, it's not always that way. But we've been studying through the book of James. We've done different lessons in it. Some of them we've taken a piece of James and parts of other scriptures. And and today we're just going to highlight through the book of James some things that God teaches us about this team effort because Your relationship with Jesus Christ, your personal relationship with Christ, affects and impacts every other relationship you have with any person on the planet. You can't treat them the right way unless you're right with Christ first. And if you're going to be right with Christ, you can't treat them the wrong way because Christ put them together. Remember when he said, what's the first and great commandment? What was it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what was the second one that Jesus said just like that? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people. Show his love to others. That's why we say it. our purpose is that we work to show God's love and share his truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. We, we want to do that. We have to get it in that order. Show his love, then share his truth. And so um, this picture on the screen is two people who have already made it up, and they're reaching out to help the other one who hasn't quite made it there yet. Now, none of us fully arrive in Christ. You're not going to be the one standing on the hill. You've accomplished it all. You're going to reach down and help somebody. We are all in process. And I can tell you, Exactly when your process is finished, your process is completed, and you are ready to go be with the Lord, He'll take you there. If you're still here, you got work to do. 
there's still room for growth. It's easier when you're younger, but you can still grow in the Lord at any age. So following Christ is a team effort. Your relationship with Christ affects and impacts every other relationship. And so we're going to walk through the book of James, and we're going to look at different passages in James. And what we're going to do as we're looking through this, I just want to highlight where he makes it plural. So he's not writing to individuals. He's writing to believers, a group of believers. And so in chapter 1 and verse 18, chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. He brought us forth. We are a product of the Holy Spirit of God working in our hearts and lives, bringing us to a place of conviction for our sin and trusting Christ as our Savior. And then he makes us part of his family. So we are family in Christ. And then verse 26 says, If any among you, notice that, among you, any of the believers, if you think you're religious but you're not dridling your tongue, you're not con trying to control what you say, then you're you're deceiving your own heart, and your religion is useless. You know, when I was a kid, we were in a church that had a deacon who was the clunkiest, fussiest man in the church. Now, we don't have deacons like that in our church. The deacons we have in our church love the Lord, and they love people, and they're fun to be around. Even when my kids were young, they liked our deacons. And, and that's how it's supposed to be. When we're serving the Lord, we're supposed to be the nicest people on the block. If you're not caring for other people, then you're not following Christ. Look in chapter 2 and verse 1. Again, he says, My brethren. Look in chapter 2 and verse 5. My beloved brethren. Now, the first seven passage, or seven verses of chapter 2 we looked at several weeks ago or a couple months ago now, and he said, uh, or we've looked at that God is anti-prejudice. God is anti-prejudice. This whole passage is talking about how they're showing favoritism to rich people and they're not supposed to because God is no respecter of person. God hates it when people are prejudiced and biased for any reason. And then, but he, in the middle of this, my brethren, my beloved brethren, he's pulling us all together. And then look at verses 8 and 9. This is specific instruction for the believers. Chapter 2, verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So when you have prejudice in your heart for any reason, then you are violating God's command. You're supposed to show love to people. Now, some people are easy to love, right? Some people just really are. They're fun. You enjoy hanging around with them. They're great. Those of you who are in a good marriage, you love your spouse. That's an easy thing to do. But some people aren't so easy to love. And God didn't say, love the easy one. He said, love people. So if they're a breathing person, you're supposed to love them. Show his love and have some care 
and some concern. That doesn't mean, you know, Dawson goes to Walgreens or Walmart. Dawson goes to Walmart to run an errand, get something for his mom. He's not supposed to run through the store hugging people. That would really freak people out. Especially the big guys. They'd really freak out when he hugged them. So how do you show love to people? You show kindness to them. You respect them as a person. Regardless of what they look like on the outside, you respect the inside that God put in there. And you show grace. Now, look at, again at verse 14. He says, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, chapter 2, verse 14. He, he talks about my brethren. What does it profit, my brethren? So he's making this connection that we're all in this together. Chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 are specific um, instruction about our responsibilities for one another. 2.15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? So he said, when you have concern for people, you don't just uh, diss them. You don't disrespect them. You, I have a friend who's a, my dentist is a friend. I was friends with her husband, a Mark, and I met, and Mark attended church here for years uh, before they moved up to Chandler. And so I knew Mark before I ever met Hillary. And then I met Hillary, and I liked her, and we were friends. And then I found out she was a dentist. And I have had dental phobia. I don't like going to dentists. I had expensive and painful dental surgery years ago. And uh, uh, so now I, I go and I see Hillary. And I set appointments up to go and see Hillary. And so when he's talking here about if somebody is war, uh, I need to find the exact verse, verse 15. Uh, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, what if, what if somebody had a need? We had a lady in our church here who had a need, dental surgery. She couldn't afford it. A bunch of us helped, and she was able to get it. Hillary arranged it and discounted it for us and, and helped take care of her. Uh, but, but what if you just say, be warmed and filled? Anyway, I sent a, a comic to Hillary one day, and uh, Pearls Before Swine. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. And so this guy's walking along, and he comes up to Pig, and the guy's a dentist. And the pig says, he says, how you doing, Pig? And Pig's, oh, I'm so worried about all the rioting and the racism and the financial distress and, and the wars and rumors of wars and all of this stuff going on. And, and I'm so stressed. And, and the dentist says, well, keep on flossing and goes walking off. And then, then uh, the pig says, never try and have a deep conversation with a dentist. And so I sent that to Hillary. But, you know, some believers are like that. COVID's not that big of a deal because it hasn't affected me. Millions of people worldwide have died from COVID. We have people in this room who've lost spouses and loved ones to COVID. So we need to show kindness to people. 
And if you see somebody having a need and you just say, be warmed and filled, that doesn't help anybody. We have a responsibility to try and help other people. So uh, look in uh, chapter 5. Well, I jumped ahead of a couple. You, you can stay there in chapter 5, but let me share. In chapter 3, verse 10, he says, My brethren. In chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, chapter 4, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Don't spread rumors. Don't uh, tell stories on people that don't need to be told. Um, so don't speak evil of one another. But we get into chapter 5 and verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren. As you trust in the Lord, and he goes on to explain that, when your hope is in the Lord, you can be more patient with the difficulties of life. You can just accept it and back off and press on. Then in verse 9, he says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren. Do not grumble against one another. Don't be fussing and moaning. Now, this doesn't mean you should never say something's wrong. Like, if if you were out someplace and you saw somebody who was really agitated and you saw them reach into their waistband or their pocket and start to pull out a gun, you don't say, well, I'm not supposed to say anything bad here. No, you're supposed to yell, gun, so people can move away from that person. If you see somebody who's about to hurt somebody, you're stalking up behind him, and maybe it's even a three-year-old kid who's going to smack his four-year-old brother or vice versa, and you see it happen, you step in. And if somebody's a danger, let's say that you have a friend who started dating somebody, a guy or a girl who started dating somebody, and you know things about that person that they don't, should you speak up? Yes. Because it's the right thing. It's a warning. He's not saying never show discernment. He is saying don't be grumpy pants. That's what it says in the Greek. Don't be grumpy pants, okay? Don't, don't be fussing and don't be complaining about people. Because the world's filled with people who just complain and fuss instead of getting involved in helping. And he said you're supposed to be one who gets involved and helps to make a difference. Now, in chapter 5 and verse 12, when we were going through chapter 5, I skipped over part of this, uh, skipped over this verse, but I want you to see it this morning. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So what is he saying here by this verse? What is he saying, do you think? Keep your word. Anything else? He, he's saying to, to be transparently honest. So when you say yes, then mean it. When you say no, then mean it. Be clear. Be concise. Be transparently honest in your conversation. Uh, your word should be your bond. We live in a culture of people who hide behind technicalities, who hide behind, um, they manipulate people, and they try and get people to buy in. And 
there's ads on television. You know, it's against the law to advertise a product and put in your ad that it can do something it can't do. Like if you put in there that this vitamin pill will cure, cure cancer, it's against the law to put that in your ad. Don't you wish it was against the law to lie in political ads? They say, when I get to Washington, I'm going to do this. And then they get to Washington and they blend into everybody else in Washington pretty soon. I, I wish we could have transparent honesty. And you know, it would really be nice in politics, but it's essential in the church. See, we have in the study of James where he said, don't be prejudiced or biased toward wealthy people. Kathy and I were actually in a church where the pastor taught the Bible and understood the Bible. But when rich people visited, he just kind of fawned all over them. He would speak to them respectfully and he would speak to them encouragingly and, and he would befriend them and be friendly with them. And... When other people did, he would ignore them. And she noticed it before I did. She pointed it out to me. And I'm like, oh, really? It's not supposed to be that way in the church. So you can't change this church all by yourself. You can't change the church worldwide. But you can change you. And you can be responsible for you. And you can say, hey, I don't know what's going to go on in those other people's lives. You know, I mean, that group over there, right? We don't know what's going to go on with them. But I'm going to do what's right. And I'm going to follow the Lord. And I'm going to be transparent and honest in my dealings. And if I give my word, I will do everything I can to fulfill it. Now, let me give you a hint here, especially parents dealing with kids, don't make promises. Don't make promises. Because you don't know if you'll be able to do it. Remember, James chapter 4, if you say, I'm going to go and do this, you have to say, Lord willing, because God might allow other things in your life. Kathy and I had a different plan for Thursday and Friday. In fact, what do you think Kathy had planned to do on Saturday? College football. Yeah. So I watched a game in her honor. No, I enjoy football. But I enjoy one game. She'll watch every game all day long if she can. So the, the game I happened to choose was Penn State. Nine overtimes. Set a college record for the number of overtimes. And that was the game I watched. I told her, I felt like, is this game ever going to end? She would have been sitting there loving it. Oh, this is awesome. But, but, you know, that's what she had planned, but that's not what she did. We've told you before that we try and keep Saturday night low-key, relaxed. We try and have a relaxing set so that we're ready for Sunday. You know what I was doing at 1030 last night? Picking somebody up from the airport. Praise the Lord. She made it safely, and we got back safely and had a decent night's sleep, and she still fixed me a great breakfast. She doesn't always fix breakfast. On Sundays she does, and I really enjoy it. You can't make plans. 
You have to trust the Lord. Be respectful of people. Give your word, but be careful when you promise. I hate it on television shows when I promise you we'll get this bad guy. You know how many crimes go unsolved? I, I promise you, you will heal from this surgery. You can't make that promise. And it, and it really drives me nuts when a guy's just been shot, you know, and he goes into surgery and the doctor comes out, he's going to be fine. Doctors don't know that. All they know is he's doing better. We think he might be fine. But you could have an embolism. You could have all kinds of stuff still go wrong. I'm encouraging you, aren't I? <laughs> All right. All right. So, so don't make promises. Uh, make commitments. There's a big difference. I'm doing everything I can to make that happen. Okay. Look in chapter five and verse sixteen. Chapter five and verse sixteen. Confess your trespasses to one another. Okay. This is a slightly awkward thing, but the Bible encourages you when you're struggling with sin. Tell somebody else. Get an accountability partner to help you with that sin. It will help you overcome it. Tell somebody else. Bring this brother or sister in Christ into the conversation. Now, don't just pick somebody at random. You know, don't say, well, you know, I've got all the names of the people in the church in this basket, and, and I'm going to reach in and grab out a name. Oh, Ed, I should go talk to Ed. Now, it, he might be a good one to talk to, but you won't know that until you get to know them a little bit better. So make sure it's somebody you already can trust. And if you don't know, maybe you're new, you don't know if you can trust him yet, give them a little thing. Trust them with a little thing. And then something bigger. And then if you've got a big struggle, then share the big struggle with them. But some people aren't trustworthy, and you won't know that until later. In fact, uh, we'll be looking at that a little this afternoon in our 5 o'clock service. There, there's some people who sneak into the church, and they're not really in Christ. They just pretend to be. And there are false teachers that creep in, and we have to be aware of that and work against them work away from them, but but find somebody you trust and bring them into your struggle. And, and by the way, if somebody comes to you and tells you, I have a problem with, don't do this. <gasps> okay? That's not going to help. Just build into your DNA that you are not going to be shocked because people have done terrible things for thousands of years. So, just show love and share truth. Right? Now, let's look on in, in verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Pray for, we talked about intercessory prayer and praying for one another. So, you need to really care about people. You need to spend time talking to God about that person and intercede with them. You know, you maybe don't have the struggle they're going through. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe it's an emotional struggle. 
Maybe it's a, a marriage that is shattering. Maybe it's uh, some financial distress. May, maybe you don't have an issue. You can't identify with that person. You know, I have never had a problem marriage. Got married once, and so far she's sticking with me. Praise the Lord for that. I've never suffered that. Some of you have. Some of you have had a great marriage and then buried your spouse. But God can identify with people. Hebrews says he's the great high priest, but he identifies with us and understands us. So maybe you don't even know how to pray for this situation. This person's going through this thing, God, and I don't know how bad it would be to go through that thing, and I don't know what to do. Then Romans 8, I think it's verse 26, that the Holy Spirit's going to intercede for them with groanings that cannot be uttered. When you don't even know what to pray, God will pray with you. And so you just turn them over to God and lift them up before God and pray on their behalf, praying for one another. And you know, you don't have to understand all the problems. If somebody tells you, I'm going to have surgery, a lot of people, their first question is, what for? I stopped doing that years ago, about 35 years ago. I was uh, on a visit with my pastor in Texas, and we visited, and this guy said, well, his wife was going to have surgery. And I said, what for? And he looked at me and said, I'm not sure she'd want me to tell you. I've never asked again. If they want to tell you, they'll tell you. If they don't tell you, you just take him before God. Say it's Dawson and he's having surgery. God, I pray for Dawson because he's having surgery. Do you need to know what it's for? No. God already knows. And you pray God's love and grace on him. And wisdom for the surgeons and the anesthesiologists and the nurses. And patience for him in the recovery and all of those things. You know that, so pray that. You don't have to know all the details to pray for somebody else. Now look in chapter 5, verse 19. James 5, 19. Brethren, again, this group of believers he's writing to. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. While you are praying for other people, you should also be praying for people who don't know Christ yet. In fact, uh, there is no us versus them in Christianity. I like to say, is people who have already accepted Jesus Christ or people who have not yet trusted Christ? Because no matter how much of a mess their life is, my life was a mess before I trusted Christ. Even though as a young person, I really messed it up big time, and it was a mess before I trusted Christ. Some people are good people before they trust Christ. But everybody needs to trust Christ and receive salvation. So you, they just haven't trusted Christ yet. They're not your enemy. The Bible is very clear. You have an enemy. It's called Satan. Satan and his demons are your enemy. People are not your enemy. They are people who have not yet trusted Christ. So pray for them. 
I don't know how many family members were praying for me before I got saved. In fact, my dad was so surprised, he sent me to camp mostly to get rid of me for a week. And to his dying day, he swore that was the best hundred bucks he ever spent, was sending me to youth camp when I got saved. And Christ began the process of changing my life. So, so pray for other people. Pray for lost people. There's some on our prayer list that Megan does every week. They aren't on there every week, but every week we do one. And so there's people you can pray for. You can pray for family members and neighbors and acquaintances and pray that they'll come to Christ. And maybe you've tried to witness to somebody and they were antagonistic and angry about you trying to witness to them. Some people don't want to be told you're a sinner. They don't want to hear that. And so back off. Pray for them. And pray that God will bring somebody else in their life who the Holy Spirit can use to speak into their heart and life and bring them to salvation. You're not the Savior. Jesus is. You're just His ambassador to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So reach out to people. Pray for people. Show His love. Your relationship with Jesus Christ directly affects every relationship you have with any person on the planet. It directly affects it. And some Christians are known for being good people at church and being grumpy and fussy in the community. And that's never supposed to happen. And it doesn't mean reverse it. Be kind in the community and grumpy here. You're never supposed to be grumpy. Okay, just to clarify. I saw a couple of you were thinking, oh, now I know. This is where i got to be grumpy. Okay? Now, you cannot be self-centered and follow Jesus Christ because Jesus, by definition, was other-centered. He came to give His life for others. He came to pay the penalty for your sin. He was totally others-focused. If he was self-centered, he would have stayed in heaven and let the angels just worship him there. But he came and was born into humanity and lived among us to give his life for us. You cannot follow Jesus and be self-centered. You also cannot be selfish and obedient at the same time. When you're selfish, you're not obeying. When you're obedient, you're not selfish. You can't do them at the same time. And this is exactly what God has said throughout all of history. This has been His desire. So I want you to take your Bible, please, and turn to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. And I want you just to see how this is nothing new. What James is teaching is similar to what David wrote in the Psalms a long time before James was even born. Psalm 15. Psalm 15, verse 1. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly, doing the right thing, and works righteousness, and speaks the truth in his heart. Remember James was saying, don't say one thing and mean another. Speaks the truth in his heart. Who does not backbite with his tongue. James talked about not grumbling about other people. 
does, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. We don't celebrate evil people as a follower of God. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. When he makes a commitment, he lives up to it, even if it hurts. Verse 5. He who does not put out his money at usury. Now pause right there just a moment. God had a rule for Israel that they couldn't charge interest to their fellow Israelites. They could loan money and get the money back, but not charge interest. So that doesn't mean if you're a banker that you can't charge people interest for their loans. Your bank would go under if you didn't charge people interest for their loans. But how we worked it out in our life is occasionally, there were a couple of times, we loaned our kids money, and, and they paid us back, and they paid us back the dollar amount plus the interest we lost from not having the money in the bank. So we didn't make a profit. They just covered our loss. I did that one, one time when I borrowed money from my dad. I paid it back. He said, interest-free, I paid it back at what he would have had if he just had that money in a savings account. And so it's not evil to cover your losses, but it's evil to try and make a profit at the expense of other people. And God had a rule for Israel that they couldn't loan money at interest. But back to verse 5. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. See, this is what David wrote a thousand years before James was even born. David saying, this is what God's followers are like. They don't do this stuff. And then James has spent, through his book, little things about how we treat one another. Because following Christ involves other people. It's a team effort. We're in this together, and we need to accept that and follow it. So let me give you just one more idea, okay? Being nice won't help you get saved. Being nice will not help you get saved. Nice people are still sinners because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being nice will not help you get saved. You get saved by grace, God's grace, extending a gift to you, your faith receiving that gift by grace through faith. You're saved. It's not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift received. So being nice will not help you get saved, but being nice will help you earn rewards in heaven because God wants his kids to be the nicest kids on the block. That's how we're supposed to live. I remember when my oldest son started playing Little League. And he was pretty good. He was slow because he had to wear corrective shoes that were big and really heavy. But otherwise, he, he was scrappy. And uh, But I told him, listen, I would rather have you be known as the nicest kid on the team than the all-star. Because that's what Christianity is about. Being the nice ones, following Christ, showing his love to other people. So being nice on earth will help you earn rewards in heaven. It won't help you get to heaven. You only get to heaven by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. But once you're going to heaven, being nice can earn rewards that you can enjoy up there. What will those rewards look like? 
well, they're described as gold, silver, and precious stones. And if it's going to be something, you know, the holy city, New Jerusalem, has streets paved with gold, I think it's going to be pretty spectacular. But God will reward those who faithfully follow His commandment to love God and love other people. And James wants you to be one of those people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth and the challenge to our lives. And and, uh, some days it's really easy to show love to everybody. And other days, there's some people, it's just hard. And honestly, there's some days when we're the one it's hard to show love to. But Lord, we thank you in your love and grace that you died for our sins. And and thank you that you have brought other people in our lives that can show your love and grace to us. We pray that we would follow the teaching of James, that we would be committed to love and care for one another. For those who were unable to be here because they're out sick, hopefully they were watching online, I I pray that this message would resonate in their hearts and lives as well. For those who later listen to the podcast, Lord, may you speak into their hearts and lives. If there are people who have not trusted you as Savior yet, I pray that you would bring them into your family soon. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.